All rights regained to the show and all articles are, that are not in proper direct quotations are reworded to avoid plagiarism and copyright. The following is a monologue, which is sadly mostly true. Every time that conservative voices get silenced in the church, normally our entire country's first instinct is to, the, to do the exact opposite concept that both the country of the religion's origin would do and realistic people who study historical religious practice would participate in, due to both the thinking concept that it's both easier and more enjoyable, at least to them. Like walking around completely naked in front of everybody and accepting other stupid ideas like mocking the church with the church, which ends up making the church that does this to the church slowly but surely become the strip mall that you kept seeing slowly going out of business every Thanksgiving when you were in your early teenage years. Recently, a church in Minnesota had a female pastor who deemed herself priestess, maybe due to a reference to Ishtar, decided to lead a prayer replacing the Nicene Creed that can only be described as nonsense, while most of them on the left in a Lutheran church, however that's supposed to work, keep trying to understand the Trinity by only replacing it in misconstrued non-binary terms, but also binary terms at the same time that of course they don't believe in, since apparently to them the normal take of male and female sexuality doesn't exist while existing while they don't think it exists, while they worship sex as a god in the same ways and worse ways that basically everybody did ever since the world was a thing. Even though sex is not meant to be the full knowledge and understanding of what we know God to be, except when you're attending a leftist Lutheran church that doesn't even believe the Bible, however that even works. Under her leadership, they gave respect to the Nicene Creed by throwing a pride pair of underwear on it, while saying misguided stupidity in the form of what apparently comes directly from the mouth of the quote-unquote rainbow spirit, which 100% doesn't remind anybody of those tastes of rainbow commercials for Skittles, although they probably would strike some sort of strange deal, unless Skittles decides to employ Dylan Mulvaney, which would thereby wipe the Skittles name out of all those gas stations that desperately enjoy charging you $4 for every single small package, which would probably be a good thing, because who has ever understood why anybody should pay $80 for gas, why they already pay $80 for two cinnamon rolls, why they pay $4 for Skittles? Anyways, what was I saying? Alright. Of course, the Catholic and mainstream Protestantism, which to some people still means actually living the faith that you're saying you're living, with Christ's full authority, are the two most hated truths to ever exist, most likely because they're not commanding everyone to walk around naked in the street, while people are simply trying to lead, live decent lives of the faith that they adhere to. And they say that they're living because they're not throwing a pair of pride parade underwear on the main documents that separate Catholics from Protestants, thereby separating pagans from two churchgoers, which in turn should cause Catholics and Protestants to suddenly perfectly agree, causing them to distance themselves from those who enjoy walking around naked in public areas, which would of course cause those other naked hooligans to suddenly dress up like a pride parade nun walking out of a Slipknot concert. The prayer continued with a statement saying that they're worshippers of a non-binary God because the God of the Bible is three persons that aren't people, as one person that's God, as multiple persons as one, and not completely a simple normal human being, but also and then also in the imagery of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, who is a simple human being, but also God, which of course is both and all three, which of course comes out to be completely human and completely God, and most likely sporting purple and pink hair, which is the main look in the Middle East for males and for women who apparently don't exist, 
which would make the Gnostic philosophers laugh hysterically before asking what you actually mean, since they had a closer knowledge to somewhat of the Trinity problem when it comes to the idea of the soul, just that it was always wrong, since it comes from the perspective of Gnostic Greco-Roman Hellenism instead of Christianity, while leftism is from the strip mall complex down the street, slowly going out of business. She clarified next that they are to be known as the Church of Everyday Saints, quote-unquote, which caused the Church of Latter-day Saints living across the street to try that cold brew coffee finally for once because they were trying to re-listen to the viral audio closely and figure out if this was a declaration of war to keep the title of Day and Saint posed back-to-back because she clearly stole it from them, probably because she has no understanding as to what the hell she's talking about. She communicated next that Jesus was God's son, who had two dads, because two dads can make children, and that the two parts of the Godhead are clearly both of the gay dads from Modern Family, and the episode where they first get a dog after shopping at the grocery store, which of course is extremely funny when there's laughing in the background that's pre-recorded, and no one's watching as an audience. Of course, which is one of those things that people remember when they first think Lutheran Church, at least when you don't know Greek or Hebrew or complex types of Christian theology, because you were walking around your college campus naked for some reason, probably protesting something, because of course you can't have a virgin birth that you still don't believe in, without first pretending to believe having two dads can create a child, since that's even more impossible, though you're pretending to believe it, more than the virgin birth that you are already pretending to believe, which clearly shows your faith of believing what you believe in, while not believing it, meaning you believe it, if that makes sense. As you can expect, People who are true believers at that church are furious, which of course is the opposite of those people who walk around in the street naked in front of everybody, because that's what normal sane people tend to do everywhere else, like Harvard, Yale, your local police station, and your local grocery store, specifically in the bean section, and in your own backyard, which now belongs to them, because it's now July and will soon be August. She also said in the entire prayer, wearing the non-traditional prayer vestment, composed of that sunflower you took your senior high school pictures in front of for some reason, and what looked like a bunch of old dirty rags from when she was washing dishes at home before the service, sewn together in a strenuous and hideous display of what in the hell is going on, which might be just her Williamson Sonoma membership, mixed with her tendency of not having as much style as actual Catholic cardinals. That is, unless you're sporting the purple hair that apparently every Middle Eastern is sporting, even though that's just simply clearly not the case. I'm Jonathan Nesser. This is the Code Exclusive Podcast Show on Spotify, Anchor, and other platforms. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining me on this fabulous Saturday to kick off the new week. First and foremost, before we get into everything, uh, why I do this show myself, there are also other podcasts that I listen to, and of course you can try and figure out which ones that I listen to, and yes, Joe Rogan is one of them, but if you want to start your own show with the potential of making your own revenue, it starts with logging into Anchor and making a password, and after you do that, you can make audio with the push of a button, perhaps use Audacity like I do or use some other source, and make over an hour of content and you can upload your audio for free and potentially get paid while doing so. Start today and gain an audience around the world.
Now first, we have to get into the main story from the monologue of the self-proclaimed priestess, which again is very hilarious to me why she terms herself that. And of course, it can seem like a full-on connection to goddess that a lot of people tend to connect themselves to if they're female, which is not at all a title that Catholics would give a female title. And of course, this is at the same time what main reason exactly why people go against the Catholic Church a lot. They don't exactly like the viewpoint of not allowing women in the church, and I've stated before that women should be pastors on the authority that everyone can have the Holy Spirit. But, of course, being completely on the left, as this woman clearly is, she pertains to use her position in the church to allow wokeness to invade the Nicene Creed and allow wokeness to invade the whole of the church. This is one of the main reasons why a priest is so important, and even when it's a priest in the Catholic tradition of not allowing women to become that. And of course, it allows us to look and realize how important it is to not allow this wokeness in, as we'll get to later on in the next story. But if people are not gifted in the certain types of decision-making when it comes to spiritual warfare and in physical nature, it's essentially important to look at the Bible in the correct lens and the correct perspective. In the statement of the quote-unquote rainbow spirit that the pastor named by name one time, she is unwittingly mentioning the evil agenda of the left and the dark evil agenda of the wokeness in this refashioned creed by stating rainbow spirit and stating exactly what this whole entire phraseology is and what it's meant to represent. So the reality is that she is a reverend, which is actually not supposed to happen within the Catholic tradition traditionally either, but it should be used as a key to realize what the church structure is supposed to be. The church is not meant to be misogynistic, and I'm not meaning to say that, you know, oh, she's, she's a pastor and she's a woman and she can't say that and she can't say what she wants to say. Well, no, you, sh you should have biblical discretion and you should have debate but at the same time not allow the feminism of today to just jump into the full mindset and the full traditional foundation of the church because it's not traditional in the foundation of the church. In the Bible, and still not to make this be taken in an anti-female way because it's not intended to, but the Bible does clearly show that males are meant to be the foundation of the church structure and women are meant to also uphold the foundational church structure with the partnership of the men involved because the men are meant to be helpers and the females are meant to be helpers. Now on the statement saying the belief in a non-binary God, quote unquote, it completely uproots this plan. It uproots the plan of combining together the whole togetherness between men and women, both at the time of marriage and within the church structure. And that much is known from the biblical and conservative perspective. Going alongside with this, the rainbow spirit particularly is just another evil demonic spirit that enjoys misleading all the other individuals that it, that it currently is misleading today and the individuals back in history that it also misled. Which, of course, the idea of rainbow spirit can just simply mean evil demoniac that completely wrecks and misguides everyone from a sexual perspective. And really that can be the main spirit that is the whole LGBTQ plus, you know, calculator symbol mindset. 
every single type of thing easily comes from these evil spirits and every single type of thing should not be taken in a traditional biblical perspective. If a person goes to the thought that they are no longer within the sexual binary of creation, then that person, of course, no longer has the connection that they were meant to have with both the sexual partner and meant to have when it comes to who they are as God's child, because it completely uproots their straightforward knowledge of who they are, what their sex is, and what their purpose is, because it completely misconstructs where they're meant to be within God's plan. And that, and that of course, can happen to a lot of individuals who are on that leftist side and they feel completely alone and not not to attack them but to simply call them to debate and call them to question what these viewpoints are and where these viewpoints originate now in a very interesting article written based off a heavy amount of research done by a man who is also the author uh, of this piece named Eckhart Mueller who is the Associate Director of the Biblical Institute of the General, Contra, uh, General Conference of Seventh-day Adventist. He also has a Doctor of Theology and an author of multiple theology books. From his research when it comes to the issue of homosexuality, let's look quickly at some of the biblical cultures that somewhat accepted or completely accepted homosexuality. And just as a trigger warning, some of these historical concepts are a little bit on the edge so if you are currently eating you know your bagel sandwich in the kitchen or something like that you might want to stop and perhaps you might want to skip forward to the next story so first from an Assyrian Egyptian perspective the Egyptians had some shady dealings when it comes to this type of action and sure today people who consider themselves on the left and thankfully thankfully we have a lot of these People that say that homosexuality, you know, shouldn't be taught to younger individuals, shouldn't be taught to people, especially who were raised from a different tradition, and they shouldn't be twisted and misconstrued when they're too young to understand anything. Of course, that's a good thing that people, that a small amount of people on the left do casually say. But from an Egyptian perspective, basically the homosexual practice was really only realistically practiced in cult uh, cult rituals and it was not actually deemed as an acceptable thing to happen in mainstream and this is a text quoted by Mueller that a tomb inscription on a coffin states that an unknown individual says he had homosexual sex with the Tom which of course was one of the main gods of the Egyptians there's also a high amount of homosexual worship within the cults of Anubis, Isis, and Osiris. And again, that was not mainstream. One general is even claimed to have possible uh, sexual relationships with his other generals. And there could even be evidence that the Egyptians might have assaulted their enemies after defeating them in battle, which is also something that the Romans would do to their soldiers, which again, is very very dark but it also is an eye-opening fact as to the reality that all forms of sexual practices should not be permissible simply because they are a sexual practice the Hittites essentially did a certain extent of what are in terms an accelerated version or even just a normal version of prostitution of today only not based in the atheism of today 
One practice in particular, of course, involved multiple individuals, and it was, again, a cult worship to a particular goddess that was heavily involved in fertility. Of course, today we have disdaining sites like Pornhub and others like it. Back then, they participated in sexual action involving group sex in the midst of figurine shrines and around altars, and even on top of altars as a form of sexual healing. Nowadays, we still throw in pornographic religious themes, but we still keep it atheistic for some reason. Into this factor, it can be viewed as less holy, but at the same time, it shouldn't be viewed as holy in particular because it's very disdaining and distraught and completely deluded and messed up. Ultimately, our continuous misuse of sexual practice further elevates the mindset that nothing is wrong as long as it brings us happiness in the form of pride. Even though the point of the creed, of course, is to be directed towards worship of God and honoration of him, not the honoration of imperfect creation and pridefulness. Now, those in this church who actually accept this thought process have completely ignored and accepted the argumentatively most strangest sentence ever constructed at the same time being confused, not really paying attention to the correct cause, but also being completely misconstrued from natural good order in church history. She says that, quote, and this is from the creed that she made up, I guess, two and a half minutes before the end of the service, in the pew down the row, I believe in the Church of Everyday Saints, as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the AIDS quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars of wonder, unquote. Of course, I already talked about in the monologue the whole Church of Everyday Saints type of thing and how that's just simply a misconstrued copy of Mormonism. So already that's not Christian. But when she says patches on the AIDS quilt, patches on the AIDS quilt. So in other words, you are worshiping something that represents people who have passed away because of an STD. So this is the same thing as writing a book of church doctrine on STDs. Like, no one would do this. It's completely bizarre why she's even doing this to begin with. And feet grounded in mud is the exact opposite of what Jesus was doing when washing people's feet. Because Judaically, this is a symbol of sin. And when he was washing people's feet, it was a symbol of forgiveness. Whose eyes gaze at the stars of wonder is just merely a cult concept from ancient Rome and ancient Greece when people would use deviation, uh, divination towards the stars. And of course, none of these are biblically instated. None of these should be church foundational processes to follow. Now let's look very quickly at some other misconstrued theology that the Jehovah's Witness use and the Mormons use. The Jehovah's Witnesses, first of all, try to take the title of Jehovah from the Hebrew presence describing God in the Old Testament, while also completely destroying the Trinity narrative that is present within the New Testament. And doing so is also then therefore wrong to say that they're a Christian denomination, since the Council of Trent and all other councils would obviously do anything but approve their biblical theology. One major view that extremely messes up the Trinitarian viewpoint of the biblical New Testament idea of God is the fact that they believe in a sort of angelical, distorted form of Arianism, or the, or the heretical belief that Jesus Christ is not divine, but is lower than the other parts of God, and was a person, 
who being lower was created and not begotten, yet always existent. They then go on to say from there that Jesus Christ was created as a lesser archangel Michael, making him a different part entirely and not at all within the biblical line of the church today. The view of Arianism also says that Jesus wasn't divine at all either, and of course completely is distorted when it comes to true Christianity and Catholicism. Now on the Mormon spectrum. The Mormons, on the other hand, believe a different perspective that is still as heretical and wrong when it comes to the biblical view of the church today. When it comes to the Trinity, they go against the primary Christian perspective. Mormons are taught the heresy known as tritheism, stating that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not one, but are only actually separate beings, that to an extent work somewhat for different means and have different functioning parts. Sadly, this is one of the main reasons why the majority of people fall from faith, due to the fact that it is so vastly unusual and mind-blowing to attempt to comprehend how God can be three and one at the same time, and yet one and three at the same time. Yet this Christian concept is also what proves Christianity. Which, the simple, which is simple and yet also mind-blowing as to how people can create a question and doctrine that they themselves cannot answer. And of course, that is also what atheists and agnostics also cannot answer. Now, on terms of another quote-unquote Christian cult, Unitarians also do not elect Jesus to be God either, as they state that to claim Jesus to be God is a grave mistake in their theological process, and, of course, this follows the pattern of not only pridefulness, but using signs, symbols, processes, and false theology as a point of reference to misrepresent church foundation. Now, of course, as I said before, none of these theological processes should be viewed in the church as foundational. They should be completely documentally cast out and completely cast out of church theology. So similar to basically every controversial and main news headline most of the time, Texas for about the 100th time in about 30 seconds, due to the fact that everything controversial seems to happen within the state over the past couple years, has been eyed by the Vatican within the, within the county of Taylor, Texas. And the Vatican has been butting heads with a certain priest due to his criticism of the Catholic Church under the authority of Pope Francis. He has made certain statements to, to the church that it has been weakest under the authority of the current pontiff, which of course is understandably debatable, at least from a conservative standpoint. And he has even made statements that have completely offended the Pope and other people, such as calling the Pope a diabolical, disoriented clown, which of course sort of sounds like when you walk into Spirit Halloween October 31st when the store is about to close, and then seeing that weird distorted clown mask in the area of the room that for some reason I guess looks like Pope Francis. Now of course, keeping in mind that it's not exactly the smartest notion in the world to simply make fun of your adversaries or make fun of people that you to an extent disagree with, it is very respectable to create critique the, pro, the Pope and the Church and we should be critiquing the Pope and the Church. The whole entire reality as to why all of that other history happened within a large amount of centuries within history, such as certain popes having striptease parties in the Vatican, which actually happened, and other popes killing each other for power, which also actually happened. Those events 
only took place due to the fact that the Pope wasn't being critiqued. And as a matter of fact, most of the time, people tend to critique actual pastors, or when I mean actual pastors, meaning Protestant pastors, not just simply that Catholic people aren't Christian. But anyways, we tend to critique Christian ministers a lot of the time, and we don't tend to critique the Pope or any cardinal, of course, unless there's a large amount of sexual misconduct going on. Of course, obviously, when that sexual misconduct happens and goes on, we, of course, should variously critique them, and they should be put in jail for their crimes. But 100% of the time, when people are in full authority, just as when you're in, you know, say, a CEO position at a business, you should be heavily critiqued in every way based on what you do. Now, just going back into a couple of historical mindsets when it comes to critiquing people and keeping them completely biblical when it comes to their own authority, from Slate.com, Robert Finn, who was a bishop and whose name also sounds like a novelist from the 1920s for some reason, was convicted of not reporting sexual abuse by one of the priests in his priesthood, and as a result, lost the support of the priests assigned under him. In this case, he was not fired, but simply lost the appreciation of the priests under his church authority. Often, as well, there are examples of Vatican absolutely not responding in a good way, where they actually end up appointing the person who is accused or even convicted for a certain offense, which is what happened from the same article in the same instance. And of course, under the leadership of the Vatican, uh, one instance was Cardinal Bernard Francis Law, who did this and covered up an extensive sexual abuse case and other sexual abuse cases for years. And his result was having everyone basically ignore it, and he went on to become the archpriest of the Basilica de Santa Marie Maggiore in 2004. But of course you might wonder why the hell they would do this. Well, of course, this is the bad side of the Vatican, and this is the demonic side of the Vatican, where all the sinful cover-ups cover happen, and instead of insisting on an actual lawful and biblical standard. And of course, this is 100% why we need priests doing what this man did, going completely against the grain and completely against the Pope. Because at times, just because a pope is a pope doesn't exactly mean that you should worship him at his feet. And of course, you shouldn't be worshiping him at his feet at all. Similar to how CEOs should be held to a certain standard, the priest sh should be held to a certain standard, a cardinal should be held to a certain standard, and the pope should be held, of course, intensely to a certain standard. And it's here that... Of course, if you do not actually have the real Jesus that you're worshiping, the Catholic Vatican just can become just as worse as the LGBTQ ad advocates and LGBTQ dystoria. Well, it's about that time of the year again when the air is cool and the fall weather lasts for about six seconds, at least from my home in Michigan. And you can get ready for both the fall and the winter months with Timberland boots. They're actually doing a big sale, 70% off brown leather boots, and it's an opportunity to save on boots and accessories to prep for the oncoming hellish winter landscape that will, of course, invade our lives for the billionth time. 
go online and purchase now. So when it comes to in this next story, it has a lot to do with the Shiite Muslims again. And while leftists have been burning Bibles, and while our current military have been thrown off of trains, and in fact thrown in prison after protecting others, after protecting those people's freedoms after that, and before that, there's currently been a current issue in Baghdad where a man was reportedly burning a Quran outside of a main mosque. Essentially, this is rather a harsh and not exactly the best way to get their attention, but this man stated that he has been going unnamed for such a long time after his military service that burning a Quran uh, was basically one of the only ways that he could get people to notice them. To notice him. Now, this is extremely shaky ground because we still don't really have the best turns when it comes to the Shiite military. He is currently claiming that the Shiite militants participated in war crimes while he was currently within the war-based environment, utterly making him decide to burn the most holy books in the entire Muslim community. And of course, the only problem is that there doesn't exactly that doesn't exactly tend to be the best way to get someone's attention again. But it is currently causing a huge stir within the Muslim community, and a large amount of people are outraged. And of course, particularly, I don't support the burning of any religious documentation except burning occult evil, obviously, because that's not at all nece necessarily the same as Islamic documentation, and certainly not the same as biblical documentation either, but really burning someone else's religious artifacts that aren't related to the occult, 100%, is no better than climate activists destroying artifacts and priceless treasures in the Vatican in order to somehow support climate change, however in the world that works. He elected to do this since he's both Christian and he's in his own country, and, if, and of course if he was, say, in Iraq, it would have been more impossible due to the heavy control of those Muslim authorities that a lot of the time are within some sort of terrorist connection depending on where exactly you are. Some people somehow think that, of course, there is a secret middleman at the center of the universe that control these religious events, and I mean, that is completely true when it comes to Hollywood evil and so forth. But in the current issues of Muslim, Christian, and other religions, it is much better to not burn each other's books while trying to be as offensive as possible in order to get someone with the higher rankings of the establishment to notice you. Of course, again, unless it's a, a cult Hollywood, then it's probably fine. But in short, Turkey has been in conflict to an extent with the U.S. and so has Hungary when it comes to Sweden joining NATO. Of course, why is it so difficult for Sweden to join? Well, mainly because Turkey, a Muslim country, and Hungary, also a Muslim country, are against them joining since they see the burning of Qurans and displays of their leaders in hatred-related displays are enough to make sure that Sweden never gets a chance to join. In short, Turkey also says that Sweden harbors terrorists, while Sweden says they don't. And Hungary, who is also part of NATO already, says that Sweden is too rough around the edges against their leaders, while Sweden claims their disagreement is not a reason to disqualify NATO membership from their country. Now, of course, how do people not see the problem here? Of, co of course there is a big problem that most people are seeing, but it is problematic to an extent to allow Turkey and Hungary to completely control the situation. 
these are two countries that essentially have huge big problems of their own when it comes to interpretation of their Islamic texts. So why exactly are we allowing them to particularly not allow Sweden to join? Of course, it is kind of an issue here because we can't just simply solve everything all at once, but mostly the religious war tensions happened due to problematic scenarios of terrorism and Turkey and obviously Hungary wanted to combat those acts of terrorism by being involved with the United States. And of course, there are two countries who joined with NATO while Sweden is mostly Protestant via the Protestant Reformation. And before that, they were highly Catholic as the third largest Atlantic religious perspective in that area. And the Muslim population was a little bit higher at the second highest religious perspective in the early 1970s. So that being the case, why exactly do they have an extremely intense problem with it? For one, the main issue is we have to get all that terrorism actions under control. And besides that, they should technically be okay with it due to their high Muslim population within Sweden. Now this is mostly both a religious issue and of course a political issue together instead of simply making it only a political one. Essentially Hungary and Turkey are presumably critical of the Muslim potential and position of Sweden which is making them unable to join NATO quickly which shouldn't be the case. Of course people should be free to practice any religion they choose except to cult evil but our country wasn't founded particularly on Muslim values. It was founded on deistic values from the founding fathers so why are we getting caught up in the issues of only the Muslim ones all the time? Well, because of the support of the Shiite countries that have somewhat of a partnership that give us between that, that give us support between other countries versus those who don't. So how do we solve this? Why not just have absolutely every single country join NATO all at once? in order to combat all these acts of terrorism. Of course, this is still a problem because all of the other terrorist individuals can simply join up as one, you know, say five terrorists joining up as one big major terrorist organization against us. But obviously, we would have more firepower. And technically, from a religious standpoint, it would bring people together. So unfortunately, in our last story of today and this again as well is completely referenced and shown as to again why the priesthood is so important and why a correct version of the priesthood is super extremely important apparently led by according to religiousnews.com led by the reverend william j barber ii a dozen christian clergy stood in the hallway of the north carolina general assembly on friday may 12th to denounce a bill approved earlier this month that bans abortion after 12 weeks of pregnancy and to say in effect, not in my name. Now, of course, they're saying not in my name because they're, for some reason, trying to reference the name of God and the name of prophets to entitlement of needing abortion whenever you feel like it, which, of course, would not at all be approved all the way back in that time. Considering that a lot of abortion today can simply be 
related and regurgitated back to all of the paganistic sacrifices and rituals as a lot of paganistic rituals going directly against the Israelites actually had pagan priests remove a baby right away after it was born and killing it, which of course still 100% isn't abortion 100% in the medical sense, but it's just as disastrous and just as terrible. Apparently the press conference, as it stated, comes one day ahead of a large rally planned for Saturday in which time Democrat Governor Roy Cooper is expected to veto the bill. As soon as next week, North Carolina Republican lawmakers who held a veto-proof majority will likely override the veto. If they succeed, the law will go into effect July, 4th, uh, July 1st. Of course, this is somewhat of an older article. Now, of course, this is really unfortunate because... This is legitimately a large group of the people that are technically somewhat associated with the Vatican priesthood saying that they completely 100% approve of the unfortunate practice of abortion. And this, of course, could 100% be a historical movement that pushes priests to assume that abortion is understandably okay and of course, that has no place in the priesthood if you actually look at the Catholic Vatican understanding of it. And if you look at the actual discernible Catholicism viewpoint of the entire subject. And you can, of course, look to the Catholic Catechism for that. Now, as it said, the council represents 18 Christian denominations across the state. And there's a couple of quotations here. It says, Quote, please don't quote the Bible to tell me you can make your faith the law of the land because I read the book and it is clear about what we must demand of political leaders in the public square, said Barber, leader of the Poor People's Campaign and Repairs of the Breach. Quote, Jesus says to nations, you really want to be about my word. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Lawmakers, Barber suggested, should instead focus on raising the minimum wage, stemming gun violence, and narrowing eco economic equality. Unquote. Well, of course, there's the couple of issues there. First is in the Old Testament, if people had guns, they assuredly would use guns in the sense of protecting their villages, their communities, their empires, and of course their country. There's in no way an Old Testament representation, if guns were there in the first place, that some sort of stemming gun control effect would ever happen, considering that they had all of their armies, and if their armies actually had guns, they again would take them upon themselves to defend their country and community with them. When it comes to raising the minimum wage, that literally doesn't really go with the subject. They're literally just changing the subject there. But also there was a lot of, of course, different amounts of money that were used in pur purchasing different items. And of course, they obviously use a different form of currency. But the idea of minimum wage today does not at all go whatsoever with a biblical understanding of minimum wage. They, they didn't have any type of governmental situation that actually mirrors what we do today with money they had stuff that was simply structured and they didn't exactly have a government that did things in the same ways. Now, particularly 
it can also be connected more so towards the Roman government, which of course was completely against the Israelites the far majority of the time. And of course, these people probably wouldn't exactly be wanting to reference that when they talk about the minimum wage, but of course it ends up doing so. Now when she references, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Of course, this is an unfortunate connection right away once again that we should be referencing Jesus saying he never knew a believer because they believed that abortion was wrong. And of course, that might be one of the stupidest things that someone could actually relate to the biblical context. Literally, in the old law, it told Jews back in the time not to participate in paganistic ritual practices. Again, that of course would 100% be on board in the cultural context of today of abortion when it comes to babies and infants. And that's not at all what Jesus was representing and saying at all. That is, that, that, that's a statement that is absolutely claiming that you are not Christian or Catholic if you disagree with abortion. Despite the fact that a couple hundred years ago that wouldn't stand, 90 years ago that wouldn't stand, 50 years ago that wouldn't stand, and all of a sudden it's all of a sudden a Catholic understanding. She reminded listeners that before the Supreme Court made abortion legal in 1973, it was clergy, both Christian and Jewish, who helped women access abortion through the clergy constitution service on abortion. And, of course, that's not even true at all. Christ the only Christians that actually did that was the left, and the Jewish also did not do that. They were 100% against that. That's completely opposite, that's completely wrong, that's completely backwards. They're literally claiming that every single part of all of these religions have to do with abortion. So first, the left wants to completely disregard religion itself. Now they want to make religion a religion of abortion instead of a religion of tradition. This is something that we have to stand against completely. We cannot allow to any part of the church or any part of Catholicism to suddenly raise up priests that are abortion priests in a sense. Because not only would cults actually take up that opportunity, but we would also be re-transcribing the priesthood. We would be reassessing the priesthood. We would be reassessing and retranscribing the whole of the church. And of course, as a result, the church would not be the church at all and certainly wouldn't be a church of the true biblical structure. Now let's get to the comment section. M-98 says, Dude, freaking make a podcast centered on this issue and branch out from it. There are not many podcasts that play into this, at least at this depth. Dude. Okay, so, yeah. So what... Uh, M-98 is saying here is he's referencing the past reptilian episode where I discussed the whole of the cult reptilian uh, conspiracy and of course he and other people there's been other comments like this too have been calling me to make this whole entire podcast on a sort of UFO cult or reptilian cult religion process where I just basically talk about those two aspects the whole entire time so, well, no, unfortunately I can't do that. 
And the reason is because I honestly feel like I would run out of weird stuff to say about aliens. And quite frankly, I would make up a lot of stuff because it's quite frankly to do with quite easily, frankly, uh, frankly, easily to do with these aliens because, well, they are made up. And I don't tend to shoot for made up things unless, of course, it's a form of cultism that goes off of theology that, of course, is misconstrued, but for the purposes of both traditional understanding and theological approach is interesting to discuss, but if I was just sitting here on the microphone and saying that there was some weird guy in Alabama that saw aliens, and there was aliens, and after that there were some aliens in Nebraska, and then maybe there's some aliens in Alaska, and aliens, and aliens, and aliens, and I just kept saying that over and over, I feel like I would tend to lie, and I also, it, it would just get bland since I'm not exactly, you know, an alien lover type of guy. But lastly, I'd also have to make another podcast with another title, and it took me two months just to come up with this one. And the one before that was Axed, the, the one I came up with before, which was the on-screen opinion show, and that's, of course, why all of the older podcasts have the different picture logo on it. And it, just, just no, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not going through that scenario again where I try to come up with a title because it just hurts my brain and brings me back to the periods where I had to study and pass exams. But of course I do know this guy very well and he, he's an awesome dude. Perhaps he can start one on that subject after he's done with his philosophy studies. Okay, uh, comment number two, Never Sleeping 44 says, The Mormon instances of having money scandals every other month make me question their churches and also make me think that they might be on their way to their own Bitcoin. Yeah, so a couple things here. The Mormon church has invested in crypto before actually and in the stock market. In 2019, they actually did get caught in an insider trading deal before they were caught in this whole billion-dollar portfolio thing. And... Of course, yeah, that, that would make people lose faith in the church, but it 100% shouldn't make people lose faith in the actual Christian church because if you attend a Christian Mormon service and you actually cross-reference it with the Bible, then you'll figure out what actually fuels their theology, which of course is not fueled by actual Christianity and Catholicism, even though there could be a lot of other conspiracy theories off of that. Uh, no comment says... Why do you think, uh, mix that up. No comment says, who do you think has more authority in the underground world that is cult conspiracies? There has to be someone on top. Well, being honest, there, uh, nice job with the whole no comment comment there. But yes, I do actually think there is a hierarchy involved. Yes, I would say that Freemasons are higher up. And I would say that while Mormonism is a bit different, and the reptilian groups are a minority, they still work for the same goal. That is to mislead those from the truth. That's why there's a symbolic structure in religion, and there's symbolic structure in the occult in the first place, and you wouldn't just speak and expect people to follow you blindly unless you had these symbols going on to begin with. And of course, the symbolic structure is what not only fuels these conspiracy theories to begin with, but it also is what centers them in an actual empire or an actual empire related structure and yes 100% those do exist and they're 100% I would say mostly in California and Hollywood 
where it's very easy to get you know away with certain things but ultimately in the end they will all fall at the feet of christ and be completely destroyed of course everyone who follows them will also be completely destroyed too not in the way of annihilation theory theology but in the way of you know following the devil and going down his road of completely promoted self-destruction now as for the highest up that's of course satanism and it's the most ignored of course behind closed doors but of course the return of christ will undo everything that is done behind closed doors and every single one of these side groups will follow it uh, so thanks for everyone from instagram and discord who commented that's our show today uh, talk to you this week bye now the Code Exclusive Podcast is recorded independently in Michigan through Audacity, and all rights were gained in the process of recording and gathering all the forms of information and research. All rights not gained in the literal word-for-word -word format are changed for the purpose of providing informative understanding and knowledge. If you would like to be on the show, or you know anyone else who does their own show, or you're a religious individual, or you are a podcaster yourself, you can contact me at Twitter at the name at Jonathan of 40804 or on Instagram at the Cult Exclusive Podcast down bar with no capital letters. Thanks for listening and look for looking forward to talk to you this week.